A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin, and of course you would be right, but then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we'll be joined by the director of the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum, Lizzie Jukes. While never serving in the front line of politics, she was responsible for legislation which affected millions of people in a positive way. More about that later. But first, today I want to talk about something different. If you've been following the news, and there is no hiding away from it, you would be excused for thinking that everyone in Westminster has completely taken leave of their senses and that we have swapped our day jobs for the full-time incitement of chaos, gossip and outrage. Now, I confess that the latest political assassinations at the top of the Conservative Party are fascinating to watch, but actually the reality is that most MPs are horrified by the current instability. Some will worry that the current turmoil will cost them their seats in Parliament, and most, I hope, will see how much damage the current chaos is doing to the welfare of their constituents. While all this madness is unfurling, most of us are quietly trying to get on with serving our constituents and representing them in Parliament. Just to illustrate this, in the last week I've spoken in Parliament on behalf of my constituents on sewage being discharged into local lakes and rivers, on access to healthcare in rural areas, on protection for British farmers in future trade deals. I'm also a member of the Committee for the Leveling Up Bill, which involves scrutinising the legislation line by line and raising concerns on housing need, planning, regional inequality. I've visited two schools, held a question and answer session with the pupils there, which just so you know, is my favourite bit of this job. I've secured a meeting with a rail minister to talk about the accessibility of local railway stations for people with limited mobility. I wrote to the housing secretary about the housing crisis in Cumbria. My casework team and I are continuing to support constituents on a whole range of issues, including helping people trapped in hospital because they can't get a care package, people separated from family because of immigration bureaucracy, and people facing eviction and homelessness. I also managed to raise more than £4,000 the Great North uh, Ambulance Service by running the London Marathon. Now, this list of activities is not to blow my own trumpet. Well, OK, maybe a little bit, but mostly it's to give you an idea of the many things that MPs and their teams are doing below the radar, even amidst the current crisis. The uncertainty and fragility at the top of government is creating more people in need. Families and businesses unable to plan their finances, unable to bear the costs of their mortgages and energy bills, unable to afford the weekly shop, fearful as to whether their pension fund will be enough for them to retire on. Equally seriously, these current events mean that any remaining respect for our institutions and political leaders is draining away at an alarming rate. The handling of the upheaval of the last few years, from Brexit to the pandemic to Partygate, have hemorrhaged respect and confidence from politicians and politics. Extremists of all kinds have sought to harness this loss of respect for politicians and the loss of confidence in politics and exploit it for their own agendas. The rise of populism and nationalism is built on the idea that shadowy experts and elites essentially run the country for their own gain. But as I said last week, those in leadership are supposed to serve those they lead rather than lord it over them. In the UK, 
the Nolan principle set out that everyone in leadership in public life should sign up to selflessness, integrity, objectivity, accountability, openness, honesty, and leadership. These are designed to remind those in leadership that with power comes responsibility and to seek to mitigate the tendency for power to corrupt. The Nolan principles are very much part of the secular realm, but perhaps subconsciously, they do seem to draw on a Christian understanding of what leadership should look like. As Christians in leadership, we can look directly at Jesus' teachings as a model for our own service. In Matthew 23, 12, Jesus warns us that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And in verse 23, he criticizes the teacher of the law who outwardly do what is expected of them, but neglect the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Some might say that the government in recent weeks has been doing neither, but these passages give us a pattern for our prayers. And as we long for wise and stable government, let's remember the ongoing support and commitment that most local MPs continue to devote to their local communities, including some of those that you least agree with. And just a reminder that you can read more about how Christians can be engaging with and praying for politics by pre-ordering my new book out next month entitled A Mucky Business, Why Christians Should Get Involved in Politics. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, so to our guest, the director of the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum, Lizzie Jukes. Lizzie, you are very welcome. How are you? Oh, thanks, Tim. Yeah, it, it's uh, I'm quite honoured to be asked. Oh, we're honoured that you said yes. So let, let's start with the thing we always start with with our guests, which is to talk about our faith, really. Tell me a little bit about how you came to faith and what that means to you. Right, well, I was uh, born into a Christian family, and so we always went to church. And um, when I was five, uh, we had a Sunday school anniversary at our church where we had a slap-up tea and, and uh, followed by a, a service. And I remember sitting in the balcony um, at the church wearing my best dress and listening to a man talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus. And I kind of felt my heart catch fire. And we walked home to our cottage and, and all, I, all I could think was, I have to go home, I have to ask mum, mum will know. <laughs> And we, it's quite a long walk home. And as soon as we got in the door, my brother, who is two years older than me, went, Mum, Mum, what that man said about inviting Jesus into your heart and, and having a relationship with him, that's what I want. And I thought, I've been gazumped. <laughs> and I'm like, me, me, I want that. Um, so, so that's where it started, um, I, I think. Um, uh, it, it's been just, just, just really important to me. I certainly, I think, made another commitment. I was uh, probably thirteen or fourteen, mm. um, but it's been uh, the biggest thing in my life since I was five. That's so powerful, Lizzie, and I think it's really good for us to hear it. it of course, it's wonderful to hear, you know, epic conversion stories after people have been in their depths at some point in adult life, but important to never forget that uh, God does not despise the innocent faith of the young or the simple, and that the bar is so low, and all we've got to do is trust him um, and invite him in. So I think that's a wonderful story, Lizzie, and we're, I'm really, really grateful to you for 
to, for you, to you for sharing it with us. Um, let, let's fast forward a little bit. Um, so uh, in your professional life, if you like, you've been a, a business person, you set up your own businesses, you've been a business advisor. Um, you were in London in the what, early 80s, I think you said, when uh, you decided to get involved in politics because of something that was happening to services in your community. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I think I'd realised when I was at school that I was definitely a liberal. Um, there was a, the general election in 1974, and that's when I decided that, though my mum was a bit of a raving Tory, <laughs> that I was definitely a liberal, and that those, uh, what I read about the Liberal Party was what I, I aligned with what I felt was right. Um, and in... Um, I think the early 80s, I had two small children and one of them was at a nursery um, while I was at work, because I'm always at work. And um, we were called to a meeting and we were told by a member of the Labour Party that, uh, that the borough was likely to be rate capped. And uh, if they were, then they would close our nursery. And she said, you need to campaign against rate capping. Otherwise, you're going to lose your nursery. And we're going to give you the campaign to do it, but we need you to do this. And they and she she made a list. She, she said, we'll close not only the nurseries, but the libraries, the swimming pools. We'll get rid of the home helps. Uh, and she just had this long list of things she was going to close. And I just stood up and I was very young at the time. And um, I was in my early 20s I suppose and I, I said but all the things you've you've mentioned they all affect women we we we're bringing our kids to the nursery we take them to the library to the swimming pools we are home helps we we are doing meals on wheels these are these are the things that really impact on women but you're not telling me anything that specifically impacts on men mm. and more importantly you've not mentioned the councillor's babysitting allowance. <laughs> and she said, I don't know what that is. And I said, well, my friend, her husband's a Labour councillor and she pays me three times the going rate for, for babysitting to babysit her child while she goes to French Circle when he has a council meeting. <laughs> said, I'm not sure that that is more important than my nursery. Um, and, uh, and all the women behind me went, yeah. <laughs> And I went home and I rang up the Liberal who had canvassed me in May. And I said, I need to join the party. We need to, we need to stop this nonsense. This is about the Labour Party. It's not about people. I suppose without, um, so rate capping obviously was a government thing where they yeah. said a council couldn't raise any more money than a certain level. Um, the council leadership then had to make choices about cuts. And I suppose your sense of what was right and wrong um, inspired that sense of anger that they were making the cuts that were convenient for them um, and not, and indeed therefore hurting, hurting other people. Now you, you've never stood for, or you've never held elected office. You're the director of the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum. Um, so tell us, first of all, what the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum does and how you got to be director of it. Well, it's, it's two things. It's a voice for Christians within the party. Um, and it's a voice of Lib Dems in, in really among the churches. Mm. So we talk about um, 
why we're involved in politics and how our faith impacts on that. Um, but we also tell, tell other Christians um, why, why we're involved in politics. Um, I became director by accident, I have <laughs> to say. Um, I chaired the uh, Christian Forum for three years. And when I came to the end of my tenure and uh, a new chair was elected at the AGM, um, a few weeks before he actually took over, um, our current director decided to leave. But at that moment, we realized that there could be a general election called any moment. So we were a bit stuck. We hadn't appointed somebody new because she hadn't quite left. Um, and we didn't have time to do it before the election was called. So the new chair rang me up and he said to me, what about you stand down as chair, I take over now rather than in January and you become the director because you're the only person that knows how this job works. And I'd line managed the previous two directors. So yeah, I knew how the job worked. Yeah, no, better than anyone. Um, and so we put this to the exec and they agreed. So I just took it over as a temporary measure to get us through a general election in 2019. Still here. <laughs> <laughs> A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're talking to Lizzie Dukes, who is the director of the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum. So, Lizzie, your account of how you became the director of the Liberal Democrat Christian Forum is one which you refer to as an accident. It wasn't a thing that you pursued, uh, the result of any great ambition being achieved, uh, yet you are in that position. And then also, you know, we discussed earlier on that you haven't um, sought high office, you've not been a member of parliament or a councillor, yet we're now about to talk about something which I hope will inspire many listeners to think that politics is a thing that they should really care about and be involved in, because you basically changed government policy uh, and did something which I think has helped millions of people, and that was to raise the uh, threshold for income tax. Now, first of all, tell us what that means before we then talk about how it was that you achieved it. Well, in 2008, which is when I, I started this journey, um, anybody earning more than £120 a week had to pay tax. Now, I'm not sure how anybody earning £120 a week can afford to give some of it to the government, but the government at that time um, believed they could. Um, and it didn't seem right to me. Um, so that's... so. Um, so that, that's the starting point. Um, and then um, what, what actually happened was I was sitting in conference one, one autumn and we were discussing tax policy, which um, I can't even remember what it was really. Um, and the guy next to me said, if we really wanted to help the lowest paid, we would raise the income tax threshold. So the, the the threshold for when people start paying tax. Mm. <clears throat> and I went, yeah, well, why don't, why don't we do that? And he said, well, um, you, you, I said, we should do that. We should start a campaign. And he said, nah, you, it's, you're never going to do that. And I really, I said, just people challenge me. And, and I, I just, there was just something about being told I couldn't do something. <laughs> Um, they just set me off and I, I went home and I thought about it and 
um, I emailed this guy quite a lot because he's a friend of mine. And, um, and I kept saying, but look, this is the difference it would make. Can you imagine if anybody on the minimum wage did not pay tax? Mm. Instead of claiming benefits, because at the moment you earn 120 pounds, but, but you, you're, you're, paying, you're paying tax on anything over that. And then uh, the government have to give you benefits because you, you've paid some of your money over to them and they're paying you back again. And I said, no, no there, there has to be a better way. <clears throat> so one of the things that I did um, was Vince Cable came to my um, local com- the, my local regional conference and I, I said to him, Vince, is, is there any reason we wouldn't raise the, the income tax threshold? It, you know, it, I thought maybe I'm missing a trick here. Mm. And he went, ah, oh, that's my ultimate dream. Right. And I said, Vince, why do we not do it? And he said, I, he said, I don't know. <laughs> and I said, so if I start a campaign, will you support me? And he said, yes. And I then went to see um, Joe Swinson. Now, Joe, Swin- uh, uh, Joe Swinson had actually written to the Women Liberal Democrats, which is the women's group. Um, I'm also involved with those and said, have you got any policy ideas that we can put forward? Uh, mm. to the manifesto and um i said to my exec well i've got this one um we could raise the income tax threshold and they went Ooh, we like that so I, I took it to joe swinson she really liked it she gave me access to the treasury so i was asking questions how much is this going to cost mm. what if we got rid of national insurance what if we raised it this far? What if we raised it that far? What if we? And I wrote a, a research document, which I had got fully costed, thanks to Joe and her access to the Treasury. And um, I produced this paper, um, submitted it to the party for discussion at a manifesto day in January 2009. And um, I found I had a room full of MPs who wanted to support <laughs> what I was doing. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if we had these tables for discussion and we had an MP on each table? Well, there were tables with more than one MP on. Mm. And, um, and Nick Clegg, who was leader of the party at the time, said to me, I really like your, po- your policy. It's going to help people. And so it ended up in the manifesto. You spoke at the yeah. party conference um, in the autumn. Well, I submitted, I wrote it as a policy motion because that's what Lib Dems can do and submit it for discussion at party conference because we're a party where we make our own policies. And so I submitted it in June for discussion in September. And in July, I put the tally on and Nick Clegg was on the news and he said, we have a new tax policy, first £10,000 tax free. And I thought, cool, that sounds very much like first. Copyright Lizzie. £137 tax free. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, what? And there it was. Um, and it was in the pre manifesto debate at conference um, where I made a speech explaining why this was important mm. and why giving, letting people keep their own money would help the economy and all of that stuff that I discovered when I was researching it. 
Yeah. And of course, it ended up on the front cover and the manifesto as one of the four big pledges for the 2010 general election. And that kind of was where I expected the story to end. Yes. Because we're the third party and things we do, well, we have lots of good ideas, but let's face it, we don't get the opportunity. (laughs) And then then we, and then we did. And the coalition happened and the four bits on the front four statements on the front cover of the manifesto and yeah I still have a copy of that were our red lines for going in with the conservatives and the conservatives said cool well we love this policy the BBC described it as the policy everyone wishes was theirs well there you are and so that got happened. That happened. It is still the case now. There are millions of people not paying income tax at the lower end, uh, basically because of a policy that you came up with and pushed through the Liberal Democrats, and then it happened in in government. and uh, And it, hopefully, that's a message to everybody out there that you don't need to um, don a rosette. You don't need to stand for the council or for parliament to really change things. Lizzie, before we just finish off, when you think about the the Liberal Democrats as a party and and your faith. To what extent do you think that the Liberal Democrats embody Christian values or are challenged by them? See, I, what, one of the things I think when I was, <clears throat> um, when I was at school that I, and I started looking at political parties was that the Lib Dems so closely aligned with Christian values. So we care about the individual, um, and that's a Christian value. We care about the environment, and that's a Christian value. We care that the economy is fair to everyone, whether they're rich or poor, that's a Christian value. And there was so much that aligned so closely with my faith that I could not imagine being a member of any other party. Well, Lizzie, uh, for anybody who's only listened to this podcast and not any others just to reassure listeners this is not just normally a liberal democrat you know party political broadcast normally i interview someone who disagrees with me but lizzie it's a pleasure to have you with me to my my director of the liberal democrat at christian forum and somebody who's made a huge difference through her involvement voluntarily in politics an example to us all lizzie it's been a real joy to have you with us thanks very much thank you tim Each week, we give you the opportunity for you to ask any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us as Christians who work within it, or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. Well, I'd I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer to whatever question you send. So please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Joseph in Chepstow has been in touch and he says this. It seems to me that Christianity is being increasingly conflated with right-wing politics. So is it possible to be a Christian and be on the left in terms of political ideology? I think the short answer is yes, of course it is. And then also I think that maybe it is our looking at the United States that makes us think that Christianity is increasingly conflated with right-wing politics. If you look at the United States, I saw some polling recently that showed that 50% or so of people who describe themselves as evangelical Christians don't go to church. Wow, that's quite something. And it's the evangelical, or at least the white evangelical church or the white evangelical denomination that is deemed to be 
so tied up with the Republican Party and Donald Trump in particular. The fact that half of those people say they don't go to church tells you that evangelical Christian in America is more of a kind of cultural descriptor than a theological one. So let's not get mixed up by how those things are in the States with how things are in this country. My experience in Parliament is that there are Christians in politics from all wings of uh, British politics, people who are firm Brexiteers on the right of the Conservative Party to people who were supporters of Jeremy Corbyn in the Labour Party, people like myself, people in the Scottish National Party. I think we should remember that Christianity in every generation and in every political party is going to be countercultural. And if you don't feel challenged by Christianity and what Jesus teaches in your own politics, then you're probably not paying attention whether you're left, right, or centre. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's close our time together in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the thousands and thousands of Christians in this country who are involved in politics. We thank you for the account that Lizzie gave us earlier. I pray you would use it to encourage people uh, who follow you, who believe in you as Lord and Saviour, uh, to get involved in politics, to see how they can make a difference and to understand that you are uh, in all things and that each of them are enormously valuable to you and therefore can potentially make a huge difference with your help. Lord, we just want to pray for our Prime Minister, Liz Truss. Uh, there's no doubt, whatever we think of her policies and her actions, that she is a human being um, whom you love and for whom you died. And we lift her up to you. We pray that you would give her strength and wisdom in the days ahead and that she would turn to you for guidance and turn to you uh, indeed to seek uh, that which only you can give. And that is that eternal hope that those who trust in you can cling to joyfully. And we pray for wisdom for MPs. We pray that they would make decisions that are wise and that are in the interests of the people and which would seek to bring glory to your name. And we ask all of these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you very much. Thank you.